0: Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC.
1: It is that cultural piece, it is around conduct, and the conduct of the regulator needs to uh, balance out the conduct of the market that that they're regulating.
0: In this edition of the GRC Professional Podcast, I speak to our Managing Director, Naomi Burley, touching on the stronger enforcement powers coming from ASIC, um, the whistleblowing amendments have just passed through both the Senate and the House of Representatives, and finally the S seven six six B in the Corporations Act. Looking at that difference between general and personal advice. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Online and the magazine. And with me, I have our Managing Director, Naomi Burley. Hi, Naomi. Hello again. Uh, So we're going to touch on a couple of issues today. Um, I guess the first one will be um, based on the release that came out last week about ASIC being able to pursue harsher penalties. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. I guess everybody was expecting that to happen based on the, the... the flack that they got during the hearings and, of course, the recommendations that would have come out of the, the report on the 1st of February. Um, what are your thoughts on this, really? Look,
1: this is something being ASIC themselves have been asking for for a really long time, and it's around that, that core message that... Um, you know the biggest stick kind of wins and grabs attention in the boardroom so on what on the one hand from our members organizations perspectives um it's not necessarily something positive because everyone makes mistakes Mm -hmm. however from the other i think we can expect a fairly sensible application of this from ASIC as they've they've always been interested in applying the breadth of the of the enforcement tools they have i know there's been a lot of criticism in the royal commission about the use of enforceable undertakings but they themselves are a useful tool so I I can't see ASIC being silly about this and and pushing out but as we've seen with the ACCC using their enforcement and harsher penalties in a really powerful message to um, the players where they have a real sense that that there is a bigger issue underlying and it's not a single one-off mistake I think we can expect that kind of treatment and from a compliance perspective the unfortunate reality is that without that regulatory imperative to pass that message onto the boards, they quite yeah. often do their own kind of quasi-risk management on it and assess whether the penalty is worth the risk, yeah. rather than doing the right thing is the right thing to do.
0: Do you think our, our members, you know, risk and compliance professionals are going to feel positive about this big stick uh, approach, though?
1: I, I, look, I think so in general, sorry, you know, just as part of the PR message, yeah. it breaks through to directors and we know that for some organisations that's the difficulty compliance professional having. There's nothing wrong with their framework, there's a willingness by the staff to do the right thing, it is that cultural piece, it is around conduct and the conduct of the regulator needs to uh, balance out the conduct of the market that they're, that they're regulating. Right,
0: right. So the other big thing that we saw happen, and that was this week now, um, was um, I saw a tweet from Professor A.J. Brown from Griffith University very excitedly saying that, you know, the whistleblowing um, amendment has passed both houses. Um, so I guess we, that's been a long time coming. Um, and obviously we had um, Warren Day from ASIC speak last week at our event, um, not last week, last year, sorry, time travelling, um, you know, talking about what to expect, Um and obviously, this will have implications for organisations and compliance and their conduct and culture.
1: Look, um, it, yeah. it should do. It should do. I'm hoping that it's not interpreted simply from a "you've got to have a policy, so let's get a piece of paper written" kind of angle. Um, you know, the the research that and the groundwork that ASIC and Griffith University put in together on this piece. Um, is all around that value of intel and regulators need that as well. The same as the compliance needs breakthrough reporting to the board and direct reporting and they need staff directly reporting to them. Um, ASIC needs people uh, to have less impediments to give them the intel when there is a lack of appetite by their organisation to do the right thing or give them them a a way through. It's a first step. It doesn't necessarily apply in a meaningful way to every organisation that probably needs this kind of impetus Um, but I think like ASIC we'd be hoping that there's a bit of a snowball effect for this that people will be wanting to emulate best practice rather than rather than simply saying, oh, that's just for the big players, we don't need to worry about that. And taking it that next step, it's not just a policy piece, it needs to be a a realistic pathway for people to raise concerns Mm -hmm. and hopefully also raise concerns directly with the compliance function um, and their compliance professionals, and feel that they have a relationship there where they can do that, so that they don't have to go that extra step. Because a whistleblower step is a, is a fairly dramatic,
0: yeah. decision yeah. to
1: have to make. It's pretty momentous.
0: Yeah, um, um, yeah, it makes sense. Um, but hopefully, yeah, and I guess all that part about changing the perception of it. So if, if we do have to go to that momentous step, um, you know, we it won't be sort of blocked by this sense of. It being part of the dobbing culture that's and right. something more positive it's, as opposed
1: to that. yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and this fear that you will go you will go ahead and make this decision and make a career sacrifice to do so. Yeah. And there's many many a GRCI member who's been in that position themselves where they've had to make a decision to leave an organisation because they can't facilitate the change and there are no protections available for them. So this is also potentially a, a positive outcome for um, our members who are really invested in making sure the right thing is done because they understand how the market can be damaged by this, not just an organisation. So I'm hoping it's a first step in the maturity of this kind of breach reporting, both internally and externally.
0: Excellent. I guess and from the culture perspective, I hope it would work pretty well hand in hand with the bear and other bits of regulation that are all looking at culture from a periphery um i guess all working together to sort of get organizations to
1: that's right there's a there is a, and and this is one of the pieces in a lot of things happening so um the the cut through on this getting passed as one of the first pieces that have been passed um is really interesting with with um bear extending and and other things going on as a result of raw commissions and as well as nude in the market um mm. you know we've got we've got an economic impetus as well
0: yeah and of course, not quite on the same level of news, but something interesting that came out of ASIC um, uh, this week. Um, looking at the S Seven Six Six B, which is sort of dealing with that difference between the general and the personal advice. Um, obviously, they were talking about it in the context of a case involving two Westpac subsidiaries, um, and they're sort of, they're sort of appealing the decision that was made by the federal court. Um, as I guess, a point of clarification for that general and personal advice um do you think that this is something that organizations should be looking at is this
1: it's it's been something our members have been querying for a while with with ASIC and and the general feel I think is that it's a difficult message to have understood um in that space you've got people who are not advisors who need to stick to um you know general advice uh, you've got call center staff and this is this is a continuing difficulty when they accidentally overstep the bounds so having something that really well defines what an example of that looks like will probably help um, I think it's also an interesting timing to do this um, at the same time you know sort of it's it's a valuable time to do this I guess at the same time as um, they're pushing for financial advisors to behave in a more professional manner and to take on board the full duties I guess of giving advice for the fees they charge it will add value to them if it's really clear what advice is especially in the mind of consumers it may well educate consumers what to expect from A call centre, you know, just because you've rung a bank doesn't mean you've rung an advisor um, versus actually speaking to a genuine financial advisor. So the timing's quite good if if that kind of thing can be incorporated into that education piece and the push out to customers to understand what you're getting as your value for money. So it could work very well in favour of financial advisors, in fact, at this point in time, because they need to demonstrate their value as well as what conduct is their territory. Yeah. Um, versus just a call centre staff
0: member. And of course, all this sort of falls into that conversation about the relationship between the risk and compliance function and the board and management. And I, that goes back to a release that yourself and the board worked on that was published, I think, not last week, but week before last week. Ooh, probably
1: is by now, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of really expressing concern that, you know, look, we're seeing some big decisions being made by the organisations in terms of heads that should have been responsible being removed but at the same time is that really improving relationships and does that mean that organizations now value their compliance function
1: yeah I, i guess again there's a lot going on at the moment and there there will be a lot of dialogue going on between different players in organizations and part of that message in the press release was around You know, the resignations at NAB were were an acknowledgement of the tone at the top needs to come from the top. It shouldn't be needing to be pushed up by anybody else. People need to be responsible for their own part in conduct. Having said that, there are more players in this in all organisations and everyone has a role to play in this rebuilding of trust. Um, So there's been a number of press releases from a variety of different players about you know they'll they'll take on rebuilding trust and oh, financial advisors are going to take on rebuilding trust and some of that's PR and some mm-hmm. of that is they absolutely have a role to play as does the compliance and risk function but it's a unique role. So they need to take on their part of the conduct. Compliance and risk people need to be recognised for the strategic um, contribution and change management contribution they can bring to this whole dialogue and how they can coordinate the different players. Mm. Um, so I think in this noise that's going on, yes, there is a real danger that compliance and risk professionals won't be valued for their ability to be the change managers for this kind of complex conduct Um, Shift that's going to be required. Um, And yes, it does need to, the tone needs to come from the top, absolutely. But you have someone there in the organisation who is an experienced facilitator of this kind of behavioural change. And those are your compliance professionals. So we need to, we as GRCI will be making sure that people keep hearing that message over and over and over again so that they know where to go for help rather than having a whole lot of random players pop up saying, oh, well, I'll change my behaviour. It doesn't change the whole dynamic of the organisation, unfortunately, unless you have someone coordinating that. All
0: right. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Naomi, for once again being on the podcast. You're welcome. uh, And hopefully we'll have you on again in a few weeks' time. Thank you, Connie. Thank you for listening to the Jersey Professional Podcast. This podcast was produced by the Jersey Institute and the original music was written by Rob Neary.